Okay, we're back. Things have changed. I think I have less hair. It's been a while. Happy Thanksgiving. We're back, and we wanted to tell a story today. Today we're talking about a story um, that needs a little setup. It's uh, from John. It's from the Book of John, and it has. It's happened right after Jesus has done some really miraculous things, a lot of things that people would have probably been super impressed by, and then. Um, they're coming to Jesus looking for more and Jesus is challenging him. What are you looking for? You know, like, what are you hoping for? Mm. So, um, I think this could be kind of summed up in Jesus started challenging like, well, what have you done for me lately? Jesus, what you'll see, we're going to tell it. It's going to be a great story. You guys ready to help? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, I hope we still got it. Do you think we got it? Yes. Yeah, I think we still got it. Good. All right, go team. Go team. So our story really begins after Jesus has fed the 5,000. Jesus has fed all these people. He's multiplied fish and loaves. And after he does that, he decides in the night to slip away from the crowd. And he decides to go across the sea. The disciples go searching for him, wondering where he's gone because he didn't go on a boat. And they go out on a boat looking for him. And there they see the other miraculous event as Jesus is walking on water. Very cool. Jesus and the disciples then cross the sea. They make camp. And the story begins um, traditionally with the crowd looking for Jesus in the morning, waking up, seeing Jesus is gone and going, where'd he go? And they see the missing boat and they're like, he's got to go across the way. Let's all get into boats and let's go find Jesus. So at this point in the story, all those people who were, many of the people that had been fed um, at the feeding of the 5,000 are looking for Jesus. So they begin to cross the sea. Oh, oh man, where'd he go? I haven't eaten since he multiplied all that bread. You think he's multiplying fish over there? I hope he is. That was incredible. Never-ending bread. You can get that on Olive Garden. No, 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 no. Get this, get this. There is never-ending bread at Olive Garden. But listen to this. Jesus, no purchase necessary. Honest to goodness, finally, a free lunch. Whoa. I'll believe it when I see it. All ashore, let's go on ashore. So when they arrived, they found Jesus as quickly as they could. Oh, there he is. Guys, I found him. Okay. Hey, Jesus, hey, there he is. We've been looking all over for you. Yeah, where you been? How'd you get over here? We've been looking for you. Is that the one giving out the bread? Is he the one? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's him. Oh, you were you were looking for me. What? Oh, is it? Did you just cross the river in that boat? Wow. Are, are you coming because you've come to believe, or are you looking for more bread? Yeah, kinda. I can kinda believe. Come a, come be Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a little both. Yeah. But bread would be nice. Yeah, yeah, bread would also be very good. So that's why you came across the lake. You came across the lake for bread. I mean, for food. You work really hard for some bread. You know what you should work hard for is for the glory of God, for the work of God. Share what you've seen. Tell them about the Son of Man. God's blessed you and sent you. You guys have a lot of work to do. Oh, um, work. Yeah, work. That. Yeah. What do you mean? What kind of work? 
Well, the work is just this. Believe in the one he has sent. Yeah, are there any, like, signs that we may, like, come to believe? Maybe, or... Yeah, yeah, like, if we're gonna do work, how about a little grub, huh? <laughs> Maybe that's a, that's a good way to start. I brought them here to see the cool thing you did. Yeah, Moses didn't just feed the people in the wilderness once. He fed them for years, every single day. Can we at least get seconds, please? Oh, I see. You want manna. You want manna from heaven. I see. I see. Uh, yeah, it, it, would, it, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt, yes. Look, everyone, I, I appreciate the effort, but God gave them bread. But God's not giving just bread anymore. God's not sending life-saving manna for us in the wilderness. God is sending now the true bread. The true bread from heaven. This is bread that gives life to the whole world. That sounds delicious. Can I get some of that? God already has given you that bread. Oh, like yesterday? That that must be it. Sorry, man. I think it was a one-day thing. You just gave it as that, that. No, 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 no. You're still thinking about it like bread. I'm talking about the bread that gives life. Whoever has this bread will have eternal life. Um, what? Mm. The bread is me. I'm the one who God sent. And those who receive me will never hunger or thirst again. Oh, I see. That yes. makes more sense. It's pretty good. And that's what happened. Basically, well done. We still got it. A little rough around the... It took a little bit to get going. It was a little hard. We hadn't done this in a while, but we're so grateful to get to do this again, to uh, tell a story about Jesus. And on Thanksgiving, I think this is a pretty interesting story talking about, uh, especially people are looking for food. And on Thanksgiving, lots of good food to eat. Lots of good food to eat. Um, and usually on Thanksgiving, what we're doing is we're giving thanks. Um, and we're thinking about all the things we're grateful for. That might be a tradition you do. We do that sometimes, right? We talk, we go around the table and we say what we're grateful for. Um, it's a great practice. This story today, I love the kind of, I'll call it natural response of people who have received something good to go looking for more. We want seconds, right? If you get good pie on Thanksgiving, you go, Let's have some more. Let's have some more, right? Yeah. So they had a great experience and they want to see Jesus again. And when they get there, Jesus is going, what are you looking for? Because Jesus is hoping they're looking for that real sustenance found in um, in seeing who he is, realizing what gifts he brings to the world. Um, but some of them are still captivated, still caught up in the miracle. You know what I mean? Which is great. That's why Jesus performs miracles. It says in scriptures all the time, Jesus performed miracles so people would come to believe that he is the Christ, um, which is great. But Jesus doesn't want them to get confused that being a disciple, following in this way, is just going to be about endless bread, endless multiplication of fish. It's not just going to be the good stuff. It's going to be sometimes the hard stuff. It's going to be the obedience, the long obedience. And it's about looking not just for what has Jesus done for me lately. It's about recognizing Jesus has already done everything we could ever ask for. In the cross, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, death has lost its sting. 
all hope and promise has been assured in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's such good news. But sometimes we go through tough times and we start wondering, you know, like, what is, what is this faith thing about? What has it gotten me? That's the wrong question. Like the one's coming. Could you do some more, something more razzle-dazzle, looking for signs, when really the great news has already been revealed to them? So that's a challenge for us. In this time of giving thanks, I would challenge you for not just give thanks of these temporal things or times or moments, but consider what are we grateful for um, that are permanent? What are those permanent things? I preached on that uh, uh, at this point a couple weeks ago about those things that we hold to be permanent. What are those identity things, those how we relate to who God is, what it means that we're baptized. How do we give thanks for the saints of past? How do we give thanks for the miracles that brought people to faith? How do we give thanks for the miracle of life? How do we give thanks for the miracle of God growing all this stuff? We plant seeds, but God does the growing. How are we giving thanks for bigger things than just this physical, this temporal, this momentary thing? How do we think bigger about what we're grateful for? How do we think bigger about what it means that the tomb is empty? No one's put Jesus back in there. It's still empty. Harvey, did you know that? Jesus still isn't dead. Unbelievable. I know. That's great news. It happened a long time ago, and he's still not dead. And that's something we give thanks for. There is not much more. No matter what's going on in the world, that is still assured. The tomb is still empty. We are still a people set free by the abiding love of Jesus Christ. And for that, I say thanks be to God and go team. Go team. Go team. Happy Thanksgiving. Go win. I mean, think of what Jesus has tasked the disciples with. He said, you will be peacemakers. Does that sound like we will live in a world free of conflict? No, peacemakers work literally exists only in the midst of conflict. He says, you'll wipe away tears. You'll mourn with those who mourn. Does that mean people will never suffer again? No, it kind of guarantees that's going to happen. And we will be people who comfort those who mourn. It's really wild that we see this Jesus who's supposed to tidy everything up, but seems that it feels like it's just being muddied. Our temples, our careers, our families, our achievements, quite literally, our churches, our homes, buildings, and structures, as important as these things are to our identity, they will bring us to times of mourning. There will come a time when all those things change, fade away, and Jesus is reminding them, this is not the end. That's just part of an end that leads to an unveiling. Apocalyptic literature, I think we get apocalyptic mixed up with like the Hollywood understanding of like an apocalypse movie. 
Apocalyptic, as I think Pastor Alice has said before, is, a, is really a word for unveiling, revealing something. And that's what's happening. Apocalyptic literature like this is about the process, the pain that comes from growing and changing. What Jesus is getting at is that as the world changes, as his promises are revealed, the people of faith are called to remember, not temples, but their true foundation, their immovable identities, their immovable realities. All of us are facing transitions. Some are in the midst of them. Some will face them later. Our congregation is in the midst of a transition. We will be, God willing, welcoming a new leader into this place. In the future, it will come with change. It will be different. For many of us, it could come with anxieties. It's actively doing that now. (laughs) Feelings of loss. Feelings of what if these stones move? What if these things I hold to be so central aren't central? Feelings. Maybe though it's feelings of great expectation. But what Jesus is getting at is regardless of what comes, what do you as people of faith, what are we to hang our hope on? Is it a system? Is it a structure? Is it a building? Is it a preference or a trophy? Is it our health? Is it our own bodies? Is it our skills? Is it past achievements? Because Jesus would invite you to remember that temples go away. But true temple, true temple is not any of these things. It's a hope. It's a hope for the kingdom of God. It's a promise that something is still unveiling, still breaking through, still changing the world, and it's everything we are to hang our hats on. If you go through the Bible and read all of Jesus' teachings, you'll find Jesus didn't give any plans for how to build a church building. You'll find Jesus didn't give specific styles and preferences of ritual, worship, or observances. Jesus didn't give us an itemized church budget outline for us to plan how we're going to do Jesus church together. What he gave us was a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And the glimpses he gave us were things like fruit trees, something about to yield fruit. What he gave us was fields in need of tending. What he gave us was vines in need of caring for. He gave us no clever mission statements. He gave us a commission. He gave us no stones. He gave us prayers of promise. He didn't give us a workbook or script to justify ourselves, it says. No, I'll give you the Spirit. I'll give you my words. I'll give you my teachings, and you will proclaim them. I'll give you something that will move you towards a deeper obedience in loving God and in, what's the second most important thing? Loving your neighbor. He gives us a hope. A hope most clearly represented as people in this place in the resurrection. That when the tomb is emptied, we can take courage and we can begin to untether ourselves in the light of that empty tomb from those temples and identities that have bound us and instead bind ourselves to a hope, a promise, a glimpse, an assurance that whatever comes, one thing is certain. What is that one thing we put our hope in? That this is not the end. It may include an end, but in the light of Christ's death and resurrection, it's not an end really, just an unveiling. It's a new future. 
where even death has lost its sting. So in this season, Good Shepherd, as we are in transition, I hope that you are hoping as well for how God is going to unveil God's promises and peace, restoration to the world through us. Because one thing is clear, the worst thing that could possibly happen in the midst of all anxieties, the worst thing, it's not the last thing. And for that I say, thanks be to God. Amen.